Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I was a bouncing and laughing What's as up, guys? Down an Welcome to road. episode number 72 of the Always Race Day podcast presented by the Colorado Group. Hey, Damon, you look like a guy that walks to work too much. I can see you, um, I can see you losing the pounds. I can see you getting in better shape. You look fantastic. Well, you're looking in a different mirror than I am because uh, my, mine doesn't look like that. All I'm saying is I'm I'm not liking it. I think we need to beef you back up. So if you could get out to the Carl Auto Group and maybe get a car to go everywhere and go back to doing that, that'd be fantastic. Well, that would be no problem. We can make that work. If you are in the need, I'm really stuttering through this ad. I'm going to have to write down some ideas for more creative ways we can present the Carlotto group. It's your most creative one yet. So there I, you well, I did my best. You didn't really take it in stride. You're like, no, I'm, I'm not looking good. Get the fuck out, man. I'm, I, I didn't deny I wasn't walking though either. So there's that. If you are looking for a car, uh, get down to the Carlotto group. I promise they will not throw dirt on you uh, as you sit in a metal bleacher. Although that is usually fun. Yeah. Yeah. Just Unless you want that. If you want the dirt track treatment, I will come down there with a bucket from Knoxville myself, uh, and I will sling some dirt at you while you buy a new car. I think you should do it anyway. That would be a great commercial. If Carl Auto Group ever let me do one. I think you, you just go down there anyway and, and record it and, <laughs> and post it on the social media. Someone buys a car and you get to throw dirt at them as they leave. I think it'd be funnier if we just took you down to a Carlotto group uh, with me and we just walked in and said, Hey, can we use this space for an hour and a half? We'll film the video. Everything will look fine, uh, but we'll have everything cleaned up. And we brought in like a carpet cleaner afterwards. I'm amazed that you think it's going to take an hour and a half. I, I'm talking about the carpet cleaning here. Oh, well that, that will. Yeah. I say you just do it out front in the grass. See, but it would be the irony of it is, is you're slinging dirt when the whole like lobby area is like super clean. Yeah, but the whole place is super clean. That's what I mean. It would just be all that funny. Okay. We're right there on the idea ball for this one. It's rolling down the hill. We just got to get it to the bottom. Oh, it's going to stop eventually. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, last night, uh, Kyle Larson and Brad Sweet held their uh, kickoff event for the High Limit Sprint Car Series. Buddy Kofoid uh, takes home the win uh, in front of Justin Sanders on the podium in the uh, Swindell Speed Lab entry and Corey Eliason rounding that out in the Indy Race Park 71 car. Damon, you get a chance to watch that at all. Um, yeah. any, uh, any thoughts on it? Yeah, I, uh, I did. That track was gnarly. 
Um, Did it look like a midget race to you? It looked like a midget race when the guys like knew what they were doing. Yeah, it was just weird. It, it, I don't know if it did, if it looked like a midget race, more or less, or just the the lanes were so tight on the track. Like it didn't matter if you ran the bottom or ran the top. You were running basically running over somebody the whole race. Uh, it felt like, especially when they got into lap traffic there, that stretch. Um, it, it just had that feel of everybody was running over somebody at some point in time. And, um, I guess that's why it's one of Larson's favorite tracks. He grew up on bull rings and he loved, loved that facility. And, uh, boy, that, that cushion was unforgiving in turn four, especially in qualifying. I don't know how many times we saw somebody bust it in turn four, which was, uh, it was weird to see, but nonetheless, it was a, uh, it was a good night. I was very impressed with it. Brad and Kyle did a good job promoting it and getting it out there and crowd showed up, which is big. And, uh, the, the team showed up as well. I mean, you had two full fields of, of a B main and a, of an A main as well. Yeah, what uh, what kind of got me was, and I wasn't surprised, right? You know, you're never going to be surprised when former drivers are doing the promoting, uh, especially how fresh they are being current drivers in the sport. But the money uh, that they had for the purse and the bounty on Kyle Larson, like the top nine drivers, because they finished in front of Kyle Larson, got an equal split of a thousand dollars. It was fifteen hundred to start, but he co-fed ten thousand. Ten thousand equal split of ten thousand dollars. What did I say? A hundred? A thousand. Okay. Well, that's dumb of me. Yeah. So they they each got uh one thousand one hundred and eleven dollars a driver. So Buddy Kofoid takes home like twenty three six, I think. That's yeah. What is what is that? Like the thirteenth best paying sprint car race? Uh, something like that. Probably probably a little lower, but that's still huge, man. That's insane. Yeah. It's bigger Big than the right? one at Houston's. Yeah. Yep. It, it's, it's, it's all this big money stuff that needs to, uh, it needs to get into the sport to continue the growing side of it. Uh, obviously the late models have, have had it for a long time and they continue to have it and they're going to continue to have it. Uh, so now it's the sprint cars turn. The only thing that I, I think this race lacked last night was the presence of the outlaws. Uh, that was, you know, if, if they got a few of those drivers to go in there, it would just make it even, even a bigger deal um, moving forward. Yeah. And that's the elephant in the room here, right? Um, Brad sweet drives for the outlaws. Brad sweet is three time world of outlaws champion. Um, there's a lot of fans that, for some reason have a disdain towards the outlaws and you know wouldn't mind to see them fail i think that's the dumbest thing you can do the world of outlaws have the biggest brand uh in dirt racing by far right now justin fiedler uh talked about it in his youtube video on wednesday he said some great words of it um and i'll, I'll add on to what he said a little bit i'm not discouraging you to go watch it definitely go do that if you're interested but when the outlaws are getting more popular them getting more popular helps every form of dirt racing just like if a world of outlast champion went to nascar and started dominating it'd be the same thing uh you're seeing it right now with kyle larson there's my proof of that uh the more attention this stuff gets the more that the racing world will understand things and at some point um if all keeps going up and all the tides keep rising you know it's going to be American racing fans that understand everything that's big here. And that's going to be just the biggest races in the world. I think they already are, but the casual fan hasn't always heard of the world of outlaws. There's a ton of people in Iowa that are just, I don't want to call them ignorant fools, but haven't heard of the Knoxville nationals, you know, the more popular things get, especially the outlaws, uh, the better everything else is and for the outlaws. Hey, real easy way to uh, get some of those pessimists on your side, I guess. Uh, let the top drivers in the world uh, run a midweek race that doesn't intersect with their schedule. The way I see yeah. it, you should have no problem if a guy runs somewhere on Tuesday as long as he's at your race by Friday. 
Yeah, I, I don't understand the, you know, it, it would make more sense if it was across the board, you know, okay, the outlaw late models, they're not able to go run these midweek races and all these other events on top of it. So, uh, fine, that's the way to have it. But when you're one entity under the same banner, uh, is given a different set of rules versus the, the other entity under the same banner. Uh, it, it just doesn't, doesn't make a whole lot of sense, uh, to a, especially to a casual fan. That's just kind of getting into it. Why is, why is the world of outlaw late models able to do something that the world of outlaw sprint cars aren't able to do? Uh, so the, this is their opportunity now, especially with the sport growing and, and gaining popularity. You know, a lot of people don't like to hear it, but it is because of Larson and, and what he has been able to do, uh, on the national scene as, as a NASCAR driver. And now because he goes back and runs all these sprint car races, and all these midget races and all the all the local shows uh he's single-handedly bringing dirt racing back to prominence um in in similar fashion that you know tony stewart used to do back early in his days yeah and uh and i'll talk about larson in a sec but i don't even know because i haven't been around the world of outlaws long enough this has been a rule since i started covering them uh, and started really getting into it and you know finding a love for this series but i i have no idea how the rule came about where uh platinum guys couldn't run other series i don't know what the i don't know if it was when tony stewart bought the all-star circuit champions or what for some reason there's something in the back of my mind that was saying something about that but uh yeah i'm not sure so and i don't want to speak for them i'm sure there was a good reason when the rule was implemented as uh rules that are criticized sometimes usually fall under right when they when the rule was made this made more sense to do uh i'd like to see him run it though i think it would be best for all parties and for all the people that think the outlaws love brad sweet <laughs> that deal would already be done if the outlaws were buddy buddies and fixing races for brad sweet to do better in i'm just letting you know yeah. do you agree with that yeah. does that make sense no, it, it makes sense. I can bust a couple conspiracies for you in one one sentence. Well, not really, but you kind of. I just gave you some thinking food, I guess. That's more like that it. one was cringy. I got all right. I got. I'll get back to the drawing board on my cliche statements that I'm making up. Well, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> all right. Um. Yeah, Larson is a big reason why. Shoot, like. You just watch the guy everywhere he goes, everywhere he wants to race, um, and he just loves to race. It's it's a big reason, especially him winning the title and being as good as he's been in NASCAR since he got back. His If his dream seasons didn't happen in the dirt world and he was just a random racer, I, I would imagine this would not have gone the exact same way. You know, I think there could be some animosity there, but he's performed on the racetrack he's bringing more attention to dirt racing we all love dirt racing and i mean man like talk about a pioneer of our sport uh and that just the story of his career is insane yeah i mean i've already said what i what i need to say on it you know he's a guy that's kind of taken over that flag ever since tony stewart retired i mean he tony was was the guy and prior to tony you know you're looking at a guy like an aj Foyt who jumped in everything and and ran everything and then tony did the same thing and got a chance to run whenever he he possibly could and now larson is uh is the next guy in that banner and he's doing it with much success at the highest level um, as well as going back and, and winning some of these local shows along the way. So, you know, people can, people can say all they want, you know, that, that it's not because of him and the success that, that it's, it's having is not, he's bringing more people than he is turning away. We'll just put it that way. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of a uh, modern day uh, Dennis Anderson. Um, okay. I wanted a reaction there. I almost got it. No, no, you won't get it on that. Cause there's a lot of, there's a lot of parallels. There's, there's zero parallels. What do you mean? 
Dennis Anderson created the sport. He, cre- he created the original dirt racing with ramps. Okay. Yep. Sprint, sprint cars were one way to go. Rally cross was the other. They're both derivatives. In this, is the, this is the problem with the new generation of racer right here. <laughs> you are just getting, you are getting the new problem with the new generation of race fan right here, folks. There's too many monster jam fans out there. Is that what you're talking about? No, I'm saying that you think the original dirt sport was our dirt racing series was monster jam. I could argue it. No, you can't. There's a lot of people that don't sense any sarcasm in my voice. They're going to be very disappointed when I don't. They are. They're very <laughs> disappointed. They're screaming right now at their own computer <laughs> and trying to figure out how one guy from the central Iowa area can't figure this out. Yeah, we don't have a monumental monster truck race. It really doesn't make any sense. Oh, my God. We just have Wells Fargo Arena in the middle of May now, sometimes, for some reason. All right. Uh, World of Outlaws come back this weekend. Jackson Nationals. Um, pretty big event. Big event weekend for them on their schedule. Uh, they moved the date. It used to be in June. Uh, that was uh, given to Houston's essentially. Um, I don't know if I love switching it to here, but I agree with the thought that some of the teams that went to the nationals can go race for some more big money this week. Well, they could have raced for big money last night and it wouldn't have uh, been a problem, but um, I don't know. I, I don't like it because it, it does back up to, to nationals week and everybody puts in so much time and effort into, into nationals that they kind of, need a little bit of a break um from from some of these bigger events i don't think that they're going to be able to market it the best way possible um you know had had i not known that it was i honestly wouldn't know that there was even such a thing as the jackson nationals this week because that's how little marketing they've put into it prior to because they have the you know we, we saw stuff for the knoxville nationals four or five months in advance. So, you know, this is, if, if they want to have a, another big event, they had big marketing events for, for the Bristol dirt race. They had big marketing events for Houston's. They want to have a big marketing event. Don't back it up to the sports biggest night in the biggest week of the year. Do you think that this race this weekend, do you think that it, goes down in popularity coming right after nationals as yeah that's what i'm saying you know unfortunate as that is yeah that's that's what i'm saying it's you know it doesn't doesn't make a whole lot of sense in my opinion um you know people people kind of get get i don't want to say tired of it but get tired of it you don't want to have massive back-to-back events you know you don't see it on the late model side where they go back to back with big big massive races because they understand the the way marketing goes okay well also there's two big late model races they're at the same racetrack no one knows which one's bigger than the other and they each stretch four days so it's kind of it's hard to do that they're at this they're at the same track so it doesn't matter because people are already there but there's only, is, there's only two events that set themselves aside. And you, I, you could argue that in sprint car racing too, but I would, I would say that the, the marquee races have been bigger, more, more marquee races. There's big races on the late model side outside of the ones at Eldora. No, I I'm, understand that. I just, they, I rarely see them back a 100 grand to win race with a 75. You're right. Cause well, they understand kind of standard that we're going here they understand the way that marketing is because you can't market it for a $100,000 race in one state, spend all this time, all this money, all this prestige points on it, and then turn around and try to do it again the very next week. It just, you're going to lose the luster because people get burnt out. I think I agree with you, but not as aggressively. And it does suck. We're not, I won't be at Jackson. It is because my dad sponsors a drag race this week. It's 
always been this week. We actually thought about changing our plans. Um, Nick Graziano, if you're listening and looking at my media application, I, I'm trying to cancel it. It didn't work, but uh, yeah, I'm, we're going down to Eddyville uh, this weekend. I I would rather be up in Jackson, um, but I want to you know help him out and have a good time with my dad when I can. So uh, he's not dying anytime soon. I just want to preface that with that. But yeah, in a less aggressive tone i would say yeah i think it has taken some of the prestige out of the jackson nationals but this is also you know year 45 of that event and it ends up being big every time it's ran uh so i'm interested to see how we're feeling saturday night about it saturday is going to think about it think about it this way though you you had you had the southern 500 on labor day weekend for years upon years upon years right and then they moved that date and how basically how lame did the southern 500 become because it was being run in july or whenever the hell they moved it to you know it it wasn't as as big of a deal because people quit worrying or quit knowing when it was and that's what's happening on a national scene and so now you you can't keep moving dates for things if you want something to stick i mean why why is the nationals been such a big thing well it's been that same week in august for however many years yeah and date repetition is still massive with everything Uh, i think that's uh pretty what am I trying to say? Evident, uh, in other forms of racing and just like the outlaws and stuff. But I, I'm, I'm interested to see how it works out this weekend. Uh, just with it being right after Knoxville and all the teams that traveled out here and they can race Thursday, Friday and Saturday for money. So I don't know. I'm not exactly sure how it's going to, iron itself out but i can tell you that i think saturday it will still be the biggest race of the weekend in terms of saturday night for sure the rest we got indycar at gateway which is all right usually if you're starting out the front at gateway on an oval track you're you're gonna have more success there it's just what the numbers say so i, I was, thought that was kind of peculiar um Obviously, NASCAR has Watkins Glen uh, for the Cup Series. Very diverse field from different um, countries and stuff. Uh, the topless 100 for the late models at Batesville. So that'll be pretty big. And then uh, USAC has their uh, Bettenhausen 100. Uh, so, you know, you're taking the couple of wing guys that run that, or the guys that would probably make those wing starts that were at the high limit race are probably not going to be a Jackson. But, well, minus all the all-stars too, because they're running this weekend as well. Yeah. And, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Do the, do the all-stars usually, they didn't usually run the Jackson nationals, did they? I couldn't tell you. I don't, I don't think they, I don't think they did anyways. I can't remember Tyler Courtney ever being there. Reitzel was in the Ridge and Sons car when he was there. Um, Actually, I might be thinking of Lakeside last year. I'm just backwards on everything. No, I think uh, I think it'll turn out fine. I don't think it's going to be terrible either way. I thought the crowd there last year was pretty decent for a Sunday afternoon. Um, I can't wait to see what it is on a Saturday night. Uh, and hopefully I'll, I'll make it in 2023. I don't know if we're going to switch back to a date. It all depends on how this weekend goes. You know, we haven't gotten there yet. It is tough to market. I do want to say too, because obviously it's the race after the nationals, but I think when we look at IndyCar's model and everyone watches the Indy 500, there's a strong contingent of people that want IndyCar to race anywhere the week after the Indy 500, because they want to continue the momentum and it's like hey you were talking about this last week talk about it this week so i think having a bigger race the week after nationals um in that retrospect i guess is probably a positive so there's some optimism to be had yeah i mean it it, in a sense yes it would you would think but on the other token 
how many people can tell you where the the next race after the Indy 500 was this year? I was thinking. I think it was Detroit. See, I I couldn't tell you. I know that. So, is it really that you know? Is it really that big that people are going to keep tuning in? Regardless, well, that's, that's another. But that's another one that's like a date repetition thing. It's like the only reason you didn't know it is because it wasn't doing it for ten years in a row. I still think it's good. Yeah, I I don't know. There, it's just you you are unable to market it. You're unable to keep a date, and people lose interest if they don't know when things are going to be. Uh, especially in today's in today's society. You know, you, you have to know when things are going to be, where things are going to be. And um, people just, you know, they lose interest when they don't. It's fair criticisms and using cliches as well. Cliche podcast central. It's the only place for them. <laughs> um, I had an NHRA video game question. Okay. Is Leah Pruitt in the game? She should be, yeah. Okay. I was looking at the top fuel drivers on their site and I didn't remember seeing her. So I'll look, but I'm pretty sure she's on there. I got confused. I think I confused myself just with a brain fart. I was wondering if they got Tony Stewart and those guys in. Yeah, I would assume so. I mean, you can't not have a video game with racing one of racing's biggest brands not just nhra but one of racing's biggest brands you kind of have to have it yeah and i mean you talk about like the third best drivers in each of their classes yeah yeah for sure i i uh, a little behind uh ron caps and my buddy antron and then uh, you, you can fill in the blanks on the other two okay well you're completely off on that one but Is antron in the playoffs yet well, technically, no, because that's after they go and run in uh, uh, Indianapolis on Labor Day weekend. So he's not in? Right now, no. I guess I don't know as far as point standings go. Okay. In particular. Just give me a second here. It's a shame that you don't have these memorized. I thought you were a real fan. I am. That's why I don't have a memorized because computers do it for me. Oh my goodness. We're doing the passing points thing again. Hey, how about that format for the high limit series? That was badass. Yeah, it was a good format. Just like a typical one. Guess what? Uh, Antron is in. Boom. That's right. By, by six points. The wind got us in. Let's go. Is it one week, one race for the playoffs? Two. They race this weekend in Brainerd up in Minnesota, and then they go to Indianapolis and run for points and a half at Indianapolis. We were idiots. We should be up there for sure. Just go to yeah. both. They're in, they're in north, north, like Minnesota. Oh, is that like is Bemidji area? It's close-ish, I would everything, say. Everything like an hour or two north of Minneapolis is Bemidji to me. Okay, well then, someone told me that was in northern Minnesota once. In those standards, yes. All right. Well, this handles the first part of the episode. You guys are going to hear Justin Henderson in a second. Sound good? That was a question to you, Damon. Oh, but yeah. The listener, if the listener at home answered, don't feel bad because I was also asking you. So. I didn't know you were asking me the question. Yeah, oh, it's okay. Right. It's okay. We're doing like kind of a Dora style. There's the forest. Um. All right, guys. We now welcome in uh, defending Houston Speedway track champion Justin Henderson. Um, also, would be Houston's points leader right now, uh, but he has had a lot of pretty bad runs in qualifying this year, so he's one point out of the points lead. Justin, how's it going? <laughs> Not bad. Thanks for reminding me. I'm just uh, getting this motor ready to pull out and uh, uh, doing a little work in my shop. Not a whole lot going on here. We're going to have supper here in a minute, and that's about it for tonight. 
Justin, uh, you're running World of Outlaws this weekend at uh, Jackson, right? Yep. Uh, starts tomorrow night and goes through Saturday. So it should be uh, a really fun weekend, barring Mother Nature stays away. Yeah, absolutely. We just got done with a debate on the prestige of the Jackson Nationals uh, and it coming right after the Knoxville Nationals. Does it feel smaller to you or is it the purse is there? You're still racing for big money and you just go out and run anyways. Hmm. I don't know. I guess, I guess it feels, well, personally, it feels smaller to me. Yes. Just because the purse is smaller. Um, and then the other thing is, is like Jackson nationals prestige was, was higher than Knoxville nationals for quite some time. And then Knoxville sort of took over and Jackson nationals almost kind of went away for a little while. And now, you know, has a resurgence here. So it's, it's, you know, I guess Knoxville sort of takes precedence in my mind. Anyway, I, I had no idea. I didn't know. I didn't know that Jackson used to be bigger. Yeah, definitely. It was, it was probably more sought after as far as one of maybe the crown jewels at one time. What, what made it that, what was, what was it that, that Jackson, why was Jackson so much bigger? I guess back in that time. I'm not sure. I think, I think maybe it just paid more. They got better drivers there. I'm not hundred percent sure. I'm not the greatest historian, but I think maybe it was just, uh, you know, probably a combination of things that just made it more of a, uh, unique venue or, or, or something that was sought after. That's crazy. See, now this is what, uh, if you don't know, Justin, you're 42, 43. 43 years old. Um, see compliment there. He looks a little younger. Uh, I basically would, I would compare him as far less bitchy, uh, Kevin Harvick for sure. Uh, but every time I talk to Justin, first of all, he's a fantastic quote, uh, but he's like that on or off the record. Uh, and also I learned something basically every time I talk to you, how did you get that smart? I suppose. I don't know. Just years in the business, I suppose. Uh, that, yeah, probably pretty much just years of experience. And obviously, uh, it shows on the racetrack you've had, we don't call it bad luck because Justin Henderson doesn't have bad luck. That's a direct quote from Justin, third person, (laughs) uh, but you've had some decent runs this year, last year, obviously ended with a track championship. How hard are you digging for Houston's this year? I mean, we're digging as hard as we can dig. This has been a definitely, like you said, it's been a trying year. Um, I feel like we keep coming through, you know, in the end we keep, uh, prevailing, but it's just, it's a long struggle this season. And it's, uh, you know, things kind of go in cycles in, in the racing industry. And I mean, last year was a fantastic year and, um, we're working through this one. I mean, that's really all that you can say. We're, we're doing the best that we can do at every single show and we're trying to find as much speed as we can find and just break it down to the bare bones and do everything that we can. But, um, you know, I mean, there's, there's 23 other guys, you know, in the A main doing the same thing. So it just seems like for whatever reason, you know, I don't want to call it luck either, but for whatever reason, just things haven't really necessarily gone our way. And, uh, last year it seemed like everything went our way, even when we didn't think it was going our way, it was still going our way. Do you, uh, Oh, go ahead, Damon. You're good. I was just going to say what, where do you feel or what, or what do you feel your confidence level is now after going through nationals and looking to the back half of your year? I mean, the car was solid during the nationals. I felt like we got around there pretty good or, uh, we had a couple of heat races that, that we lost a position and that was really kind of set the tone for the rest of the nationals. So I think the car was pretty decent. I think that if we get rolling here, we should be able to finish the year off strong. And, um, there's, there's still quite a few good races left. So now I'm a Cubs fan and there's a lot of, uh, I guess, baseball purists in that fan base, usually a lot more when they're good. I haven't paid much attention to what fans are saying this year, but a lot of them believe in like the law, law of averages. So if you go on a spell where you suck for a month, like the next month, you're kind of due to be hot. Do you believe in that at all coming back around to you at some point you'll get another string of good breaks everywhere you go? No, absolutely. Um, I mean, that's one thing I say all the time. The good thing about, about the bad spells is that it makes you realize how good the good spells are. I mean, I think that wherever there's a, a, 
a bad spell or bad luck that there's good luck or, or a good trend just right around the corner. So, and then uh, honestly, the best time to have good luck is right after good luck. So you just kind of keep rolling off of whatever you can get and, and moving forward whenever you get the chance, you know, I mean, you never want to step backwards in the sport, not even for a second. Absolutely. And this just popped in my head. So don't take how I phrase it the wrong way. Uh, but there used to be a podcast called Motorsports Analytics, uh, and it was a NASCAR guy that actually works for Brad Keselowski's team now, uh, just as an analytics guy to tell him, you know, in this situation, you should pit in this situation, it would be better for you to not pit. And this is how many tracks track position you're losing or gaining, you know, whether, whatever it might be. And he believed that a driver's peak was kind of around the age of 38 um, going through like the age of 43, like drivers don't forget how to drive. The old age doesn't really affect them. Uh, and that's especially true in NASCAR, but I want to know if you kind of agreed with that, uh, in terms of your career and where it's gone. Yeah. I mean, for me personally, I think that I'm still going to find my, my peak or, or, I have a climax just yet. So yeah, that's, that was the big part of that. I didn't want to say like, was your peak last year? Uh, where are you now? <laughs> no, I think that honestly, I think that, uh, the racing just goes in, in big cycles and you know, you're on and you're off and you're on and you're off and you, you hope to stay on longer than you're off. And, um, you ride those, you ride those waves when you're up, you try to relish it and ride it as long as possible. Obviously you don't you try not to change anything. You try not to do anything different. Uh, and when you're down, you know, you're obviously looking for the magic button, trying to figure out what it was that, uh, screwed up your momentum or, or took away that run. So those are the kind of the things that we operate on. I think, you know, as far as drivers go, definitely the run, getting any sort of run that you can get or any sort of uh, uh, hot streak is just momentum going forward. I mean, every race I you go into, you feel like you can't do anything wrong and you know, they're all, they're all there just playing your game and, uh, and you're going to, you're going to come out with the win. Now, and you have a son. Oh, go ahead. David. No, go ahead. You, you have a son, uh, Maximus. How old is he now? He's six now. He's actually just starting to, uh, we got him a go-kart here from McKenna Hasse not that long ago. So he's going to run this thing around the racetrack. Right now it's holding my air hose, but other than that, I mean, we haven't done a whole lot to it yet. So she's, she'll have her place this winter. We'll go through it and get her all ready to go. Yeah. So you, you told me that you want to get him into racing as you get out of it. Um, not in the next two years, obviously, but down some way down the road. Uh, what's kind of, I guess right now, how the sport stands, would you put him in a 305 at Knoxville at some point, or are you of the belief that that teaches bad habits and maybe a 360 is the better way to go? Uh, probably the latter half. I think I would go directly to 360s at Knoxville if it was possible. Um, I think that, you know, I, I, the 305s are fine, I guess, you know, at, at some level, but I, I really feel like we'll just put Maximus directly into 360s. Um, there's a lot of things that contribute to that, but, uh, I think that, uh, you know, either out is fine, but for us, I just don't think we're going to start with any three Oh five stuff. <laughs> Does it make you feel old if I say that he could make his world of allies debut in 10 years? Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, no, actually, yeah, 10 years. You're right. That is crazy. Yeah. So when I'm 53, he could make his world of allies debut. I don't think it will be highly anticipated, you know, like the Ryan Tim's debut, but oh, we can, you know, oh, we I can mean, hype it up. Yeah, we could, we could, I think really though, for us, I mean, it's, we're not super hypersensitive about how young he comes into the sport or, or even if he comes into the sport at all. I mean, racing is just right now an extracurricular that we can do together and, uh, and we'll see how he pursues it. You know, if it's not, if it's not, if he's not highly motivated and, and, uh, pursuing those things on his own, then we'll just, we'll easily just cancel that portion of the extracurriculars. That's a good doubt right there, Damon. It is it probably, is. probably a smart one that cares about his money. <laughs> yeah. More so that's probably right. So for those listening who don't know who Justin Henderson is, how, how did you find the, the world of, of racing? You know, we're talking about your son getting involved and, in, you know, it kind of, he's kind of got a, a good footprint because he's got a good leader doing it ahead of him. Now, how did you get involved into it? Uh, much the same way. My dad was racing cars when I was a little feller and um, I was roaming around the shop, working on his stuff with him and, I was pretty engaged. Uh, but then again, there wasn't much else to do back then. I mean, I would have been pretty damn bored if I wasn't engaged in that race car. So, uh, 
literally was the only thing there was to do actually, the more that I think about it. So that was sort of my life. That's all I really wanted to do was jump in that race car. Now these kids have so many things to do. I mean, if it's not a Nintendo, I mean, kids right now are going by my back door as we talk on the phone on their, on their motorcycles and side by side. So, I mean, that's the way our neighborhood is. They wheel around here and they're all having a good time. So there's a million things to do around here. I can understand that he might not be a thousand percent engaged the way that I was. And, uh, just, you know, willing to roll with that and the timeline isn't necessarily a thousand percent, you know, important. So what, what kind of cars, what kind of cars did your dad race and, and why, I guess, why did you end up on sprint cars? Uh, my dad raced sprint cars as well. He started, he put his first sprint car together in 1983 and didn't get to race it like 1984. And, uh, that's why his number was 83. And then that's why my personal number on any of my race cars is 83. So that that's when that all started. And he was running around the racetrack with a guy by the name of Pat Campbell. And he raced at Hussett's and other, you know, Hartford back then. And, uh, they, it was more of a, a street stock class or whatever. And then dad decided he was going to race sprint cars. So he put together a limited sprint car. And then the next year he raced at Jackson, I think in 1985 and he won the points championship at Jackson, won a bunch of races. And I mean, those are, those are some of the best times of my life. I can remember riding into Jackson under a mattress, you know, down into the pits and then hanging out until it was time to race and running up in the grandstands and, um, you know, my dad, it seemed like he won everything, uh, back then. So that was ingrained into my head. And that's what I wanted to be was, I guess, not only a race car driver, but a winner, you know, I mean, uh, that's probably the most important part of the equation. So, uh, going forward, you know, with Maximus, I see that sort of sparkle in his eye and he gets to see, uh, you know, many situations from our point of view right now and realize that, obviously someday that's probably going to be him. So if at any point he decides that he doesn't want to do that, that's fine by me. I mean, there's plenty of things he can do that are more important. Connor, he's, he's followed his dad's footsteps of winning. That's for sure. I didn't follow my dad's footsteps of uh, working on <laughs> regular cars. I don't know anything about working on cars. Yeah. And I don't, you know, working on regular cars, I don't know much, but working on sprint cars, I know a lot about sprint cars. You know, we, uh, my dad taught me everything I know about sprint cars, of course, and, and he's a very smart guy. So getting to work hand in hand with him was a lot of fun. And I can't wait to do that with, with Maximus. So just, uh, there, there's a lot of things to teach a young feller that's, that's coming through the sport right now. I mean, you got guys like, uh, Brady Bacon, you know, who learned from, from his family that uh, obviously runs good in pretty much everything he gets into. I mean, it's a family sport. It's always seems to be, it always seems to be family related somewhere along the lines, you know, I mean, uh, it's just a good, you know, most of it is good core values as well. Obviously there's some tempered moments, but. Has, have you taught Maximus about the perfect format for a race day yet? No, not really. We haven't spoke format. I don't know. I'll get a hold of him. It's okay. Next time I'm at the track, I'll <laughs> the inverts are bad. That's the first lesson. I don't mind the inverts. I mean, I think that it's not, not, I just want to, I want to preface, not the Knoxville national ones. Usually I'm complaining about inverts everywhere else, but yeah, there's uh there's definitely a lot of places that have uh systems that don't play into the racers hands, but it makes it all interesting. We all have to run with the same, the same uh, format and really I'm not one to hate on any format or, or get real pissy with a bad draw. I guess as long as I've been in it, I realize that there's just some things you can't do much about. So try to try to solve it where in the places that you can solve it. This might get kind of pretentious if we start asking every driver this Damon, but Justin, have you ever sandbagged a qualifying? Cause there was an invert. <laughs> no, absolutely not. But I did have a crew chief that put me out at 20 gallons at one time to qualify, knowing that that would automatically sort of sandbag us. Uh, and I wasn't big, a, a, a real big fan of that. And it did end up working pretty well that night. As a matter of fact, I think we won, but I'm not hundred percent sure. <laughs> it was a long time ago, but, uh, so I didn't bitch too loud after it worked, I guess. <laughs> now I did want to ask you, cause it, it said on your bio, did you run any full-time world of outlaw season? I ran 06 and 07 and we ran full-time, uh, outlaw season. I think 06, we were eighth in points and 07. We were not as good. I don't remember what we were. What car was that in? 
the D one dandy on the Sonic man, uh, entry that was basically, we got together in Oh four, no five, Oh five. And then Oh six, the outlaw deal came about where they were kind of short on teams because of the, uh, NSL or whatever's going on at the same time. So we put a car out there and we ran for two years. That's awesome. Yeah. I had no idea. And I was trying to do some Googling of it real quick before you got on. I could not find hardly a lick of it, but I guess that kind of shows where the sports grown. Yeah. It, it was a good time. I mean, it really worked out well for us. There was a bonus to join at the time and, uh, tow money was really good at the time. Um, it just made sense for us to, to jump on and just travel from point to point to point to point instead of going from like, home to Knoxville, home to Houston's home to, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. you just kind of keep rolling and, and the, the tone money and everything and the experience that you were getting back then, it made good sense. And then fuel prices went up in that same time frame, So that definitely made it difficult for us. Gotcha. So I, I gotta ask is, you know, we're, we're watching you and, and talking with you here and you keep looking down at the motor. I gotta know what's, what's going through your mind right now. Like you, 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 you gotta be engaged because you know, you've got some big races coming up, but man, you, you're kind of just looking over that motor. Like I need to do this, this, and this before we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You caught that. Didn't you? Uh, no, I was just looking at it because I need to jack the back up and put the stand under there and drain the water. And, uh, and then I need to pickle this motor and get it ready to pull because this is actually Vance Peterson's motor, uh, that Cressman redid. And so then once I get this motor out, I think John's going to let me use a different motor. So I need to get the motor played out and get it drilled. And then, uh, there's just a few steps that I need to accomplish here before we run this motor again, but I don't run this or this car again, but I don't run this car again until early September. So, just kind of, uh, you know, thinking about the different steps involved in getting this thing ready to go back to its, to its owner. Well, I'm looking, I'm looking in the background there and I see that big jug that says nitro in black lettering. What's yeah. that? <laughs> yeah. You that's clearly for the didn't bring races. that to Knoxville, right? <laughs> yeah. No, that's for the special races for sure. All right. Uh, but this floor, this floor was done by Epoxyco, which is a sponsor of mine. Uh, and he does fantastic work. So this looks good. held up really, really well. I think so too. Yeah. Oh, Damon, we might just, right here. we might just have to put this video on. I'm not going to lie to you. You're looking at, looking at this floor and how white it is. You wouldn't think it's a, a race car shop. I know. And we have a mess in here too, because I've got a few businesses. So I've got everything kind of stacked in my little 30 by 32 garage. So, and then, you know, we watch races down here. So we have our chairs set up to watch, you know, outlaw races and stuff like that, or, or races on flow. So we're definitely, we use the shop an awful lot. We're glad that we have it. We're talking about doing a shop tour next year before the season starts. We'll have to come up and watch. I think you just had it. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's fair. I would, yeah, I would like, drink a few beers with shelving. you. Yeah. There's a shelving and some bench space. The mule parks underneath the bench. The wing usually goes over top, you know, everything's awesome. pretty tidy. <laughs> I like it. Um, so this is something we ask every driver that we have on, but in terms of like Damon, think of a couple here, uh, like a speedboat dragster, uh, a nitro rally cross car, a weird car that you could hop in, whether it be a monster, Snowmobiles. anything that you wouldn't normally see come across your television on any TV network and or dirt vision or flow. What would you pick? What would I pick? Oh man. Um, I would probably pick God. I would, I would have loved to have done some like premier Pikes peak stuff. Nice. Um, that was, I mean, just, uh, let's see what else. Um, those super mods that race up in, uh, on pavement that are way offset. Uh, I can't remember what they're called for sure. Right now. Those that's are not, awesome that's not the well. one with the big side scraping window. Is it? Uh, it's got a wing on the top. They're they're way offset. I'm trying to think of the class with what the name oh, of that class the, is. New Zealand, um, right? Am I thinking I feel bad that different things? No, you're good. This is probably just us being uneducated. Are they the ones? Are they the ones with the with the engine that sits in between the left side tires? Yeah. Yep. Oh, I saw yeah, those okay. actually. I was at at Berlin Raceway in Michigan. Yeah, I think that's right. And yep. and I saw them. God, what were they called? Um, those are pretty awesome. You I were texting, you were texting me about them. Cause you were trying to get me to watch it. <laughs> you were like, you got to turn on right now. 
I, it was the craziest thing in the world to see the engine sitting inside the left side tires. It was the, it was yeah. so cool. But uh, other than that, I can't really think of a whole lot of things. I mean, I'm sure when I get off the phone, I'll think of a million things that I'd love to drive. I would have loved to have driven like old school sprint car stuff in the early eighties, kind of like when my dad started the, the, the real heyday of, of sprint cars, you know, when Doug Wolfgang, Steve Kinzer and Sammy Sundell had that, that, uh, match race at Knoxville. Um, mm-hmm. uh, were you, you, know, grow, were you growing up when people called it, uh, called the wing, uh, driver's aid? Yeah. I mean, Oh, definitely. Absolutely. But I mean, there, either way, there was so many, there was such a cool era through there when guys were running big blocks or guys were running just small blocks and you had wing sprint cars and non-wing sprint cars and uh, a lot of guys jumping back and forth. I mean, that would have been a really cool time frame to be a race car driver, but in a fun kind of a race car to drive, I suppose they would have been heavier and less horsepower. So what we have now is probably more agile and faster by far than what they had then. I mean, when I think about when I started racing 360 sprint cars, we had those, uh, steel block flat tap IMCA motors, steel headed IMCA motors. Well, the three Oh fives nowadays probably make more power than they did. So it all just keeps evolving and going on and on and on. But, uh, and a really good 360 nowadays has about as much power as a uh, 410 did, you know, back when I started. So it's just the sport keeps getting faster and faster. And these cars are probably easier to drive now than they were back then, but to, to feel the car sort of lumber around the corner and, and how it feels compared to how these feel now, it'd be fun to jump back and forth. Do you think I can use that with my boss and the debate on if my guy, Steve Kenzer is better than Donnie shots or not? I mean, it's tough to say it, it's like the, the only real debate you could have is that if you took both of them at their prime and put them in the same kind of car, how they would do, because it, otherwise it's just not a fair debate. I mean, Steve was, I mean, when Steve was turned on, there was nobody that was going to beat him. And I, and Donnie was kind of the same way too, but the, like you say, the cars and the time frame and what we raced in and, and the kind of racetracks that we raced on, uh, all that changed so much that it's hard to go from one era to another, you know, like how could you compare a Senna and a Hamilton? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't really think that they, it, there's no real good cross reference. Oh, I gotcha. Senna was driving against competition. Lewis had to beat three guys a week. Yeah, exactly. And the, and the kind of cars that they drive now compared to what they drive then, I mean, just completely different. All right. And this just also popped into my head too, but Steve Kenzer, fiery guy. Uh, just curious, Justin, if you could fight anybody, who would it be? Fight don't anybody? Don't yeah. answer that. <laughs> oh my God. We almost got Ryan Timms to answer that. Damon had to stop him. Yeah. He was on. He was starting to answer it on here. And I'm like, no. don't do that. <laughs> That would not be fair. Uh, if I could fight anybody, who would it be? You know, it'd be kind of fun. It'd be, I mean, so like, we're just talking about a fight. Like I'm not, I'm not a. Oh, I'm you're, you're talking about like a, a rough and rowdy, like UFC type of thing. I'm talking about like the winner is definitely the winner. I mean, if we're talking about a fight, like. Oh, okay. Uh, he wants a guaranteed win. <laughs> if, if we're fighting, if we're fighting, fighting, it'd be kind of fun to fight somebody like Brian Brown or, uh, or like Davey Heskins, somebody that I race with every week, just, just to, to, to throw down one time, you know Okay. I mean? All right. So you're guaranteeing wins against I, both I, of like, them? I'm pretty, I'm pretty sporty. So i like, I don't really <laughs> think that I don't, I don't really think that I would be worried about fighting any one of them. I'm just saying it would be fun. If we put gloves on, you know, nobody's really gonna, you know, lose an eye or anything, but we're going to have a good fight, you know, Damon, we, we might have to be put on a quote card. Just if you could fight anybody, uh, definitely Davey Heskin or Brian Brown is, was the answer. <laughs> just somebody like that. Somebody that you see every week. I mean, it'd be a lot of fun just to throw down one for like however many rounds. See, the, that's much better when it's somebody that you're, you're, you know, I don't want to say close with, but closer with, you know, and you can laugh about it the next day. That's, that's the best part. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm not really ill-tempered toward anybody. It would have to be somebody that like a good sparring partner is what I'm looking for. You know? There you go. There you go. <laughs>
Connor Connor's looking to start stuff. That's what he tries to do with his time on this show. Yeah, I think if we were the originator of like a big feud, I think that would be all the best for all parties involved. And then we also by ourselves right there, just we pick a side and it becomes three on one already. So if you if they want to add their crew chief in, well, Justin's got his. We we're just yeah, I got big guys. I got big guys on my crew. I mean, if we're throwing in crew members, y'all are in trouble. Do you uh do you pay attention to that at all when you're hiring them? Like, okay, this guy's big. That's probably a little bit of a plus over the small scrawny kid that wants to join. Yeah, check to see how, how athletic they are. Did you play any sports in high school? All right. Boxing? Okay, <laughs> write that down. <laughs> yeah. No, not really. It just so happens that most of my guys are on the bigger side, you know, six, six, four plus, uh, or in, uh, and generally ready to, to throw down, but we're pretty lucky that nobody hates me too bad. So don't speak too soon there. <laughs> Damon, you got anything else for Justin? I'm good, man. Cool. Justin, thanks for taking the time. Uh, it was a blast. We'll have you on again sometime, but if you guys are fans listening and you want a guy to go talk to after the race. He'll stand there and talk to you. I promise. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what we're there for, right? Have a good time and, uh, and make sure that the fans enjoy the product and anymore in street car racing, the, the on-track performance is fantastic, but, uh, you know, we have to make sure that the number one thing is being accessible. And that's, I think that's really what made it for me when I was younger. It's probably the best form of racing at that by far. And people talk about how accessible, I guess, IndyCar is and different other forms of racing. I would put sprint car racing and probably late models up there, leaps and bounds ahead of everything else. Yeah, I agree 100%. All right. Thanks again for joining us, Justin. We appreciate it. You bet. You guys take care. Have a good night. I had to buy my car. All right, guys, we just got off the interview with Justin Henderson. Uh, Damon had some issues with what I said about dirt racing being the most accessible. He says NHRA is much better. He's in the middle of a rant right now. Here, here he is. He's on. Yeah, I, I'm pissed. It, it was a it was a great point. Well, oh, your tone of voice. Listen, so listen, listen. Just shut up and listen for one time. One time in your life. That's all I'm asking. <laughs> it's hard for you to do. I understand. It's very I difficult. I get it. But dirt racing is, they do have their accessibilities. Yes, I understand that. It is easy to access an infield and a pit area at a dirt track. However, it is labeled on the NHRA website, on the NHRA social media, anywhere that you see an NHRA, every ticket is a pit pass. That means you get to go from your car to the pits, watch the crews work on these cars, get up close and personal. I have a car sitting right on my ledge that was signed by John Force personally because I gave it to him because I just went to a national event. You took it back from him? No. I, he signed it and then gave it to me. So then I went from that spot while watching his team work on his car to go to sit in my seat in the stands. And guess what? The same car that they just worked on is going down the track in front of me at 330 mile an hour. And guess what? After he's done, I got to go back and watch him do it all again. This is amazing. I unbelievable. You're right. It is amazing. Who would have thought? I, if most accessible sport, most you know accessible. This sport. is this is what I'm going to say. You have swayed me. You're definitely right. Um, and you, God, no, that no one's, handing, no one's handing out. No one's handing out a trophy because it doesn't matter that much. We're comparing stuff. And I actually, I'm probably spoiling the art of podcasting right now. Hey, because that's what we're supposed I'm to do trying... is compare things in unfair ways, right? Exactly. But I'm just trying to get a point across here that yes. Dirt racing has their accessibility, but what pisses me off is when people say that this form of racing is more accessible or this form of racing is more accessible. I, I forget Wrong. about NHRA. Wrong. I forget about NHRA even in the midst well, you need of to quit forgetting to about more about it. I'm forgetting about yeah. it, which is bad. Guess what? Your buddy, your buddy Antron's gonna forget about you too. Oh, about 10 seconds. Don't talk about Antron in a bad light like that. I won't stand for it. I'm him. gonna make sure. Well, you're up, you're moving up my fight list. That's fine. You're about to crack the top five. I think you're pretty damn close already. I didn't figure I wasn't already. I figured <laughs> I was number one. All right. P1 on that podium. <laughs> P1 on that podium. I, I 
just like seeing Damon get fired. <laughs> he changes his tone when he gets back on the recording and then goes right back into all, all the uh, arguments about it kept flaring up right in the back of his mind and just comes out. I'm just, you know, I'm in a mode that when you're, when you're on the radio, when you're telling people stories, you let the people tell the story. That's all I've been. And this was a story that I couldn't let you continue to tell because you were wrong. <laughs> you waited till I said recording stop to do it. But all right, all right, all right. You well, yeah, because I had to make sure I had to make sure to not make Justin mad. I don't think you were gonna piss off Justin with it. No, I think he he would have been like, look, this guy's an idiot. But... No, me and Justin would have brought up something from 15 years ago that completely knocked it out of the water. Well, it doesn't though, does it? I, well, I'd, I'd have to do research. Justin has the knowledge. I'm just the mouth guy. Yep. You are the mouth guy. <laughs> oh my God. Got that one right. All right, y'all. Uh, enjoy the weekend of racing, IndyCar, World of Outlaws, Sprint Cars, uh, All-Star Circuit of Champions are running Lucas, Lucas Lay Models uh, down at Batesville for the Topless 100. Um, USAC, NASCAR Cup Series, uh, and plenty of other things. Uh, we'll have it all covered for you right here at Always Race Day. Have a fun weekend.